Welcome back to the program. In communities all across America, debates rage about zoning, building, and development. In most cases, however, the debate is around the margin. Most places have long since evolved into what they are. New York City is perhaps the penultimate example. While arguments still do go on about height limits and shadows and rail yards, the city has long since determined its destiny. For New York, it has been at least since the mid-18th century a forward march in becoming the amazing city that it is today. But at what price and at what environmental consequence? We're going to talk about that today with my guest, Ted Steinberg. He's a distinguished professor of history and professor of law at Case Western Reserve University. He is a former Guggenheim Foundation fellow, as well as a recipient of fellowships from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the American Council of Learned Societies. It is my pleasure to welcome Ted Steinberg to the program today to talk about Gotham Unbound. Ted, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. It's so fascinating to look at the broad history of, of the city of New York and think about it in a kind of reverse engineering way. And as you point out in Gotham Unbound, there are so many very specific decisions made along the way that really caused the city to evolve the way it did. Talk about that in in a broad sense, first of all. Well, New York is one of the most uh, engineered environments uh, imaginable. Uh, And it's um, uh, fascinating to just think about for a second what it means to have 19 million people jammed into less than 1% uh, of the nation's land area. Uh, And this on a set of islands, no less. Uh, If that doesn't give new meaning to the word uh, chutzpah, I don't know what does. (laughs) Uh, New York is one of the most uh, creative acts of uh, vandalism ever perpetrated on a on a natural environment. And the point of the book is to look at how uh, how this all came about. It's one thing to, to realize that uh, New York was a much different place back in 1609 when Henry Hudson came sailing into New York Harbor. Uh, and then fast forward 400 years and realize, well, there's now a lot of concrete towers and asphalt uh, where there had once been... Uh, uh, acres and acres of uh, oyster beds and uh, marshland. How did that all come about? That's the driving question that motivated uh, Gotham Unbound. And in fact, it was not one thing necessarily, but but lots of decisions made along the way, one building on top of another and another and another. That's correct. Uh, I mean, really, to understand how New York uh, evolved into the metropolis that it is today, you have to really go back uh, quite some time, in fact, all the way to the late uh, 1600s, when a very fateful decision was made uh, to transform uh, underwater land into a form of property. Uh, All throughout uh, uh, New England and the northern uh, colonies, uh, it was the case that when the colonists, the European colonists, arrived in the in the 1600s, uh, they brought with them the idea of private property, which is of course unknown in North America to that point. But what the colonists, the British, actually in New York did that was somewhat different was not only did they do that and understand land as a as a way of of for making money, but they went actually a step further and uh, conceived of underwater land. Uh, as uh, a form of property, which is to say that they um, uh, uh, reconceptualized land and made it uh, not a fixed resource, which is something quite unique, and it set the uh, 
uh, laid the groundwork uh, for the explosive growth of New York over the next 300 or so years. Why New York? What was it about its place, its geography, the reality of the place that really caused all of these things to happen there? Well, the argument has long been made that in New York, geography is destiny. And there's something to this. There's no question about it. Uh, First of all, uh, New York is uh, located uh, on a a large river, the Hudson River. Uh, There's deep water near to shore uh, in in New York, and that's, of course, uh, beneficial for for maritime uh, commerce. Uh, the harbor uh, typically doesn't uh, freeze over in the winter. Again, another uh, benefit for maritime commerce. It's also the case that um, it's only about 18 or 19 miles from the open ocean into port in New York, which is, of course, uh, much shorter than uh, in, say, a place like Philadelphia, where it's considerably longer than that, that ships have to go to make it into port from the open ocean. So for all these reasons, the argument has been made that uh, in New York, uh, geography was the determining factor. But what I'm trying to argue in this book is that the idea of geography in New York is not a static concept, that in some sense what I'm saying here in Gotham Unbound is the reverse of that, uh, that New Yorkers actually took uh, geography into their own hands and completely reshaped what, what New York uh, looked like, what it was about uh, for, their own, for their own ends. Um, it's not often realized, but uh, if you consider... New York Harbor as a whole, which is what I do in the book, 147 square miles of what had once been marshland and open water was converted into solid ground for purposes of real estate development, parks, roads, uh, landfills to bury all the detritus uh, that's produced by having so many people jammed into one spot on the earth. New York is just uh, an, uh, an incredible uh, exercise uh, in the human domination uh, of a landscape. One of the things that, that comes up over and over again, and it relates to this issue of changing the physical landscape, it relates to decisions that were made along the way, and, and as you talk about dealing with 19 million people, is just the simple issue of garbage. Yeah, New York... Uh... <laughs> Uh, had a lot of garbage to deal with, and uh, it uh, weighed very heavily on on the landscape. Uh, consider a place like uh, Fresh Kills on Staten Island, which is, uh, uh, I lived on Staten Island for a while, so I have some first-hand knowledge of this as well. Uh, that was a tidal marsh, uh, and if you go back, uh, actually not that far to you know the early part of the 20th century, you can uh, get a sense from first-hand accounts of, of the magnificent uh, natural beauty that was there to be found there uh, in the Fresh Kills marshland. Uh, but beginning after the Second World War, during the golden age of American capitalism, the post-war economic boom that uh, many people know about, uh, Fresh Kills was turned into a landfill. Uh, and uh, we now find uh, there, instead of a tidal marsh, uh, uh, several mountains. Some of them, I think, are over 150 feet in in height. Actually, not too long ago, I was standing on one of those mountains, and underneath me was buried uh, watermelon rinds and soil diapers and God knows uh, what else. So what happened at Fresh Kills, and this, by the way, happened at other places throughout the uh, metropolitan uh, area, was that uh, 
a low-lying marshland was transformed into a set of hills or, in Fresh Kill's case, uh, kind of like a mountain chain. Uh, you can have a ski slope there, essentially, now. One of the things that is so remarkable in all of this is that, by and large, all of these decisions that were made along the way, and we'll come back to the environmental consequences in a moment, but from a, a human perspective, from an urban perspective, that most of these things did manage to work. Well, yeah, they they did work. Uh, I mean, New York is a is the uh, largest city in the United States and has been for the last two hundred years. It's the the measure by which other cities are measured. Uh, it's the world's iconic city, uh, and there's unquestionably uh, just a tremendous amount to recommend about life in New York. And I say that as a, a, a New Yorker and someone that uh, appreciates the vibrant face-to-face uh, -face interactions that go on there. And none of this, of course, could have happened uh, without uh, the sheer human population density that uh, uh, grew up uh, on this set of islands. Talk a little bit about what some of the tipping points were along the way, some of the, the real critical decisions, critical moments that, that made New York New York. Well, in the early uh, 19th century, 1811, uh, New York uh, imposed a grid plan uh, on the island of Manhattan. Now, grids uh, were not particularly new at, uh, at this juncture uh, in, in history, uh, but the idea of uh, uh, unfurling and flapping down a, a grid on an island uh, was kind of, of a novel idea. Uh, what was the motivation behind that? It's a little difficult to tell because the uh, documentary record is not as rich as we'd like as like to see, but um, it does seem like uh, the commissioners of the grid plan uh, were trying to engineer a kind of closely uh, uh, closely um, uh, 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 cl close living, uh, some sort of compact uh, environment. Uh, and that, of course, uh, had uh, uh, enormous consequences because uh, not only for real estate, it allowed the uh, the grid, that is, the, the land to be packaged up uh, and, and sold, uh, but it helped to uh, underwrite uh, the high-density form of life that uh, is with us today in New York. So that was certainly one uh, important moment. Another one came uh, just about 30 years later or so when the city of New York went off the island of Manhattan to import water from uh, the Croton watershed, which is about 30, 40 miles to the north in Westchester County. The reason that is important is that uh, the dense form of life that uh, the grid uh, helped uh, to uh, engineer could never have unfolded in New York population density could never have uh, reached the point uh, that it has, for example, today, just based on the natural resources that existed on the island of Manhattan alone. So all this water from the Croton watershed helped her underwrite New York's explosive population growth, and it also uh, helped to uh, 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 resulted in a uh, uh, major change uh, to the ecology. Uh, and biochemistry of of New York Harbor. Now, those are those are two important uh, 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 events on the road to modern New York, and there are of course lots of, lots of others. The uh, uh, the rollback of uh, of the wetlands, uh, uh, even as late as 1900, there were something like 300 square miles of uh, wetlands uh, 
in a 25-mile radius of the uh, of New York City Hall. Uh, over the course of about 70 or 80 years, between 1900 and 1975, 1980 or so, those wetlands were reduced, roughly speaking, uh, to just a, a, a shadow of their former selves, maybe uh, reduced to uh, about 20% uh, uh, are, are left today. So a, a monumental change uh, going on here in terms of uh, uh, the decline of of New York's marshlands, and together all these developments, the creation of a market in underwater land, the emergence of the grid, the uh, rise of a water supply that came from distant waters, not just the Croton, but eventually the Catskills and the Delaware, and the rollback of these marshlands helped to completely transform not just the geography of greater New York, but also the ecology of greater New York as well. Talk a little bit about the ecology. You, you, you talk about the fact that there are islands. I mean, things like Coney Island and, and Hoboken, New Jersey, were once islands unto themselves. Yes, that's that's right. Uh, the the uh, New York is just a giant reclamation project. You could, at least you can think about it that way. Uh, Coney Island, uh, as many people who have visited New York and who live there know, is it's not an island. Well, it started out as an island, and it, the uh, uh, reclamation of Coney Island uh, Creek, and it's a, uh, the, uh, through that, uh, the, the island was essentially attached to the mainland. Same story uh, in other parts of New York uh, uh, as well. Flushing Meadows, where uh, the tennis center is, uh, uh, was once a, a tidal marshland. It was once, uh, you could say, a meadow. It's no longer a, med- a meadow. And again, the same, uh, same set of forces uh, unfolded there with respect to reclamation. In fact, uh, New York's uh, largest uh, uh, lake, freshwater lake, uh, is uh, now um, now exists where there was once a tidal marsh. And the lake uh, is, of course, a, a man-made concoction. Same thing again uh, in in the Meadowlands. The Meadowlands were once known for um, osprey and uh, uh, raptors, what have you. Uh, not necessarily for football and and for for harness racing. So these are some of the geographic changes uh, that have unfolded uh, across New York that went along with uh, a set of very important ecological changes as well. What role did developers play? And certainly Robert Moses, who you you come back to, and certainly was a major figure in the development of New York, was, was a key player in this. Talk a little bit about it from a development perspective. Well, beginning, actually long before Robert Moses, there was development, significant development going on in New York. Moses is important, and there's no question about that, but uh, he alone did not transform uh, New York into the New York that we know today. If you go back uh, to the latter, uh, sort of mid, uh, middle of the 19th century, it's around then that the idea uh, that New York's genius lay in its capacity for phenomenal uh, growth uh, in population and land values began to take root. It's around then that uh, a, 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 uh, the institutions that helped to uh, 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 create uh, a full-fledged market in real estate uh, began to emerge. So really going back to the, to the 1850s, uh, and 1860s. That's when you really need to begin to to to, to start thinking about um, New York and the way in which the growth imperative helped to uh, gr- guide uh, 
development there. And by growth imperative, I just simply mean the idea of New York as a limitless proposition, that it could continue to grow and grow and grow in terms of population, in terms of land values, uh, back then in terms of its actual physical reality on, on the globe. This is a, a, a very, very important uh, uh, development, uh, not just intellectually, of course, uh, but in terms of its impact uh, on, on the land itself. And in fact, the idea that New York can continue to grow limitlessly, uh, it's still with us today. Talk a little bit about that, because it is still so much a part of the ethos of the city, and growth still continues. And as I was saying in the introduction, while there's arguments around the margin, the, the fundamental principle of growth still remains. That's exactly right. Uh, the uh, Bloomberg administration, uh, uh, back uh, uh, several years ago, uh, when it was in power, uh, commissioned a uh, plan for, for New York City, Plan NYC it was called, and um, in there it was uh, projected that New York was going to grow in population by something like 900,000 to a million people by the year 2030. And the interesting thing about that, uh, uh, that report and other reports that uh, came out subsequently uh, that were done by the Bloomberg administration uh, is that uh, growth uh, not only was seen as absolutely central to what New York was about and what it would continue to be about into the future, growth in population, growth in land values, these sorts of things, uh, but what Bloomberg did, and this was quite ingenious, was to transform growth into an environmental strategy. And this is, um, to understand this, is, is really not that difficult. I mean, one of the major problems, as many people know, confronting the world today is, is global warming. Uh, and cities, in principle at least, uh, can uh, help address this issue because a city like New York, for example, has, from a per capita standpoint at least, uh, low carbon emissions. Why is this? Well, it's pretty obvious when you think about it. People there in New York, it's very dense. You t typically, they don't own, own cars. They walk to work. They take the subway. Um, they live in apartments with shared walls. Uh, all of this leads to lower per capita uh, energy use and, and carbon emissions. And what the Bloomberg administration and others have, have suggested is that uh, growth more growth in urban areas can actually be an environmental strategy. Uh, there's some truth to this, uh, but actually the reality is significantly more complicated uh, as to how one of the most massively uh, altered environments on Earth became the next best thing since John Muir or something like that. Of course, the other reality is, as we saw initially with Hurricane Sandy, is the impact of climate change on, on all the environmental decisions that have been made with respect to New York. Climate change is a major issue for, for New York today, and it's going to be into the future. Uh, the projections are, the mid-level projections, is that sea level uh, around New York City is going to rise 11 to 24 inches by mid-century. could be as much as 31 inches or as little as um, even uh, as little as seven, but in any case, it's it's going to play a, a major role for the uh, very reasons that I talk about in the book. Uh, uh, exhibit A uh, is that New York has been thumbing its nose at the sea for the last 300 years, building out onto the floodplain. When Hurricane Sandy came along, uh, what it demonstrated uh, was that um, 
some 400,000 New Yorkers are now living in the 100-year floodplain. Uh, to make that simple for people to understand, all that means is that the 100-year floodplain is that uh, there's a 1% risk uh, of a flood in any given year. Uh, so uh, another way of thinking about this is that New York has more people living in the 100-year floodplain than any other city in the United States today. And as uh, sea level continues to rise, uh, more New Yorkers are going to find themselves uh, in, in, that, in that same position. So climate change, rising sea level, uh, the impact of, of, uh, of storms similar to, to Hurricane Sandy, all these kinds of things uh, need to be thought about uh, carefully as New York goes forward into the future with respect to development. Is it too late, in fact, to really begin to address those issues? As we started talking about at the outset, these are decisions that have been made for hundreds and hundreds of years that have led to some of the issues we're talking about today. Is it too late to go back and address any of those things? <laughs> well, I guess if I thought it was too late, I would have killed myself instead <laughs> of writing the book. But <laughs> So, I, no, I don't think it's too late. But I think we have to, we have, to have an intelligent discussion about the, the future of New York, and that hasn't quite happened yet. I think there have been some attempts, but... Um, Look, other cities across the world have uh, are vulnerable to these very same forces and have, and have addressed them. You could argue about what they've done to address them, but they've addressed them through, for example, hurricane uh, uh, barriers in places in the Netherlands and uh, Japan and China, and even here in the United States in some smaller cities like Sanford and, and Providence, Rhode Island. New York had a chance to do that back in the 1960s, but it passed on it. Of course, today, it would be very, very expensive and costly, billions and billions to build the kinds of hurricane barriers necessary to protect New York to the same level, for example, that London or, or, or Amsterdam are, are protected. Um, it would also, it's been pointed out, take a long time mm -hmm. to simply get the approval to build, to build such a barrier. So uh, that doesn't mean it can't happen, uh, but it, it doesn't mean that, it, it, <laughs> I mean that we shouldn't be talking about it. But there are other things that can be done, and one thing that hasn't been really talked about at all, because it's not politically popular to talk about it, is to retreat somewhat uh, from uh, from the ocean. New York's been thumbing its nose at the ocean for 300 years, but one possibility and one clearly one way to help uh, save uh, New York would be to retreat. Retreat was taken off the table by the Bloomberg administration. It was kind of a uh, what, what, how best to put it, maybe like uh, environmental machismo to the way the, the Bloomberg uh, administration uh, conducted its conversation with, uh, with, with the sea. And I'd like to see the de Blasio administration that's come in uh, take a kind of more pluralistic uh, approach to uh, its dealings uh, with both land and, and, and sea. And I think if that happens, uh, there is hope. Uh, these, these issues can be addressed. It's true. You're right. I mean, it's not as if New York can be just, we can pick it up and move it to Westchester or something like that. But uh, I, I think there are things that can be done, and these sorts of issues can be addressed in an intelligent way going forward. What were some of the opportunities that were missed that you referred to back in the 60s? Well, after uh, uh, Hurricane Donna, 1960, it was a significant storm. Uh, in fact, before Hurricane Sandy, it, uh, it held the... Uh, uh, before...
before Hurricane Sandy, it held the uh, the, the the record for the uh, highest water level uh, at the at at the Battery. Uh, Hurricane uh, 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 Donna precipitated a debate uh, about uh, how to uh, save off these sorts of uh, disasters going going forward. And one of the possibilities was uh, a set of uh, of hurricane barriers. They were, uh, however, rejected. Uh, and uh, for some good, arguably some some good reasons, having to do with, uh, for example, the bottling up of pollute, pollutants in uh, in Jamaica Bay. Uh, um, this is not a, a, a an uncomplicated uh, issue. It's complex, um, but um, the bottom line is that yes, New York did uh, pass on the idea of hurricane barriers, and it obviously paid the price during Hurricane Sandy. Ted Steinberg. Gotham Unbound, an ecological history of greater New York. Ted, I thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.